Welcome to the Beltline Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you found us. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of these weekly podcasts. Most of all, we hope this podcast will help you take your next step with Jesus. If you want to know more about us, you can visit us at www.beltlinechurchofchrist.org. Here's today's lesson. Last week we looked at the Gospel of John chapter 6. And while we were in John 6, we, we saw Jesus miraculously feed 5,000 men, not to mention women and children. And what happened after that is the, for, the, the crowd tried to force him to be the kind of king that they wanted him to be. But uh, Jesus would have none of that. And he sends his disciples away and he walks to them on the water. And then the following day he offends all of this crowd that has come looking for them and, and sends them them on their way. And there's so much in this section of Scripture uh, that I wanted to talk about. We just didn't have enough time to get into all of it last week. So I want to return to this section of Scripture again. But I don't want to look at it from John this week. I want to see what Mark and Matthew have to say about this same section of Scripture as we continue to look chronologically at the life of Jesus Christ. And so if you have your Bibles, let's go together to Mark chapter 6. And I want to focus in on Jesus miraculously walking on the water to his disciples. And we read that story beginning in verse 45. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Here's what it says. Immediately, he made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, I am. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Jesus tells his guys to get in a boat and to set sail for Bethsaida before he disperses the crowd who have come that day and eaten their fill on five loaves and two fishes. And while they are headed to... Fishes. I guess it should be fish, right? Anyway, while they're headed toward Bethsaida, uh, the disciples undergo an ordeal, right? A storm arises on the Sea of Galilee, and they are fighting against the waves. They're rowing with all their might, trying to get where Jesus wanted them to be in Bethsaida, and they're just having no luck whatsoever. They have been at it for hours when Jesus sees them and walks on the water to where they were. From where he was on their mountain, on that mountain, he watched as his guys fought this storm. Now, I think there's an important point for us to notice. Let me just stop right there for just a second and say this. When you're going through your storm, when you're fighting whatever it is that you're fighting, like these disciples were on the sea, Jesus sees. Jesus saw them struggling in this storm, and when we fight our battles, when we face our storms, Jesus sees that. Jesus knows that, but that's not all he does. Did you notice what he did? He left his spot on the mountain where he saw what was taking place, and rather than walking away from their trouble, he enters into their trouble. 
And he does the same thing for us. He doesn't just see. He doesn't just know. Jesus moves. He moves to be where we are. He moves to be in the middle of whatever it is that we're facing. And that is such an important lesson for us to notice and to know and to understand. I want you to notice something else here. This wind, this wind that was beating down these disciples, this wind that was making rowing pretty much impossible for them has no effect on Jesus. Did you notice that? I mean, he's strolling as if there's no wind there at all. He has no problem with the storm that these guys are facing. The waves that made rowing impossible. Jesus has no problem with the waves. He's using the waves as firm footing as he marches to where his guys are on the water. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now I know this is a familiar account for those of us who have been in the church for a while, but I want to share with you, show you something here, share with you something simple that I missed for, for, for many, many years. Look back at Mark chapter 6, verse 45. I, I want you to look there, and, and I want you to ask, answer this question. Where were the disciples headed? As you look at the text, verse 45, it tells us very clearly that they were headed to a place called Bethsaida. But where did they end up? If you look at Mark chapter 6, verse 52, what you see is they were headed to Bethsaida, but they end up in Gennesaret. Now, I find this fascinating. Let me try to explain it to you by showing you a map here, and I'll have my own little uh, things. Uh, most scholars believe the feeding of the 5,000 took place on the east side of the Sea of Galilee in a wilderness area. And so there it is. There, And then Jesus goes up on the mountain. He sends his guys away. Let's go ahead and click that once and show our little boat. There it is. There, See, this is the best I can do. And so these guys are in the boat, right? They're starting to head toward Bethsaida. You see where Bethsaida is? It's in the north side. They're crossing the sea to get to Bethsaida. Go ahead and click it one more time. There comes the storm. Ooh, it's a mean storm. Blowing storm, right? One more time, click, and, and what happens? They go, and they're, and they're fighting against the storm, and fighting against the storm, and ultimately, uh, when Jesus sees them, they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They've been rowing for hours, and we know that they never get to where Jesus wanted them to go, to Bethsaida. They instead end up on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, at a town called Gennesaret. They were trying to get to Bethsaida, but they ended up at Gennesaret. It appears that this storm that arose on the Sea of Galilee blew them off course. And that is when they're off course, when Jesus comes walking to them on the sea. They cry out, like we talked about last week, and Jesus says, do not be afraid, I am. More on that in a minute. Now, something else happens during this trip on the sea that, that Mark and John do not tell us about, but Matthew does. And so to have the full picture, uh, let's go together to Matthew chapter 14 and see maybe the most familiar part of this story that these other gospel writers don't mention. And so it's Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Let's look together at what happens here. Matthew 14, 28. <clears throat> if you back up to verse 27, you see the end of the story. Jesus spoke to them saying, don't be afraid, it's I, I am, I'm the one that's coming to you. Now, verse 28 tells us a little bit more that we didn't get from the other two. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, 
Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. All right, think about this. As Peter hears the voice of Jesus, he shouts back over the storm, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Uh, That thought alone is really an incredible thing, isn't it? Because just seconds earlier, Peter was scared to death by what he thought was a ghost or an evil spirit of some kind. Now, he's crying out to Jesus, let me come to you on the water. And Jesus simply says, come on, come, he says. And Peter obeys by getting down out of this boat and he miraculously walks on the water toward Jesus. Now, we're not told for how long or how far Peter walks before he starts to, to look at the effects of the wind. He, he sees the wind, the billowing white caps, the surging seas, and he becomes afraid again. He knows that he's in trouble. And so Peter shows tremendous courage in getting out of the boat, but at the same time, his courage to go to Jesus on the water becomes becomes an occasion for failure. Peter loses his focused faith in Jesus' divine identity, and he begins to sink. But then the most important thing that could happen happens, right? The most important thing that could happen happens. He cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus is more than willing and able to do just that. He lifts people out at uh, least lifts Peter out of the water. And then comes the rebuke, the words of Jesus, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, I want to say this, and I hope that you understand this. Little faith is not the same as no faith. In fact, a little faith can move mountains, Jesus says. Little faith is not the same as no faith. A person with no faith is not going to recognize Jesus. A person with no faith is not going to call out to him in their time of trouble. Peter has faith. It's just not functioning properly at this moment. Uh, Let me put it another way. Peter's faith was effective enough to motivate him to motivate him to step out with Jesus, to motivate him to go to Jesus. Peter's faith was effective enough to motivate him. It just wasn't effective enough to sustain him. And how often is that the case in our lives? Uh, How many times do we see someone who has enough faith to motivate them to begin their walk with Jesus, but then something happens along the way, a storm arises in their life, and that faith does not sustain them? I want to ask you, I want to ask you, what about your faith? Do you have a faith not only motivating you to follow Jesus, but to sustain you in sticking with him even when the time gets rough? Let me ask it this way. You're on the boat in the middle of a storm and you saw Jesus, would you ask him, would you ask to come to the water to him? Would you have got out of the boat that day? I guess that's the question I want to ask. I want to say this too. I I read one author, I love what he said. He, He was writing from the perspective of one of these disciples. And I just want you to hear what he said. I think this is really good. So riding from the perspective of one of the disciples in the boat, here's what he says. I'd never seen Jesus as I saw him then. I had seen him as powerful. I had seen, seen him as wise. I had witnessed his authority and marveled at his abilities. But what I witnessed last night, I know I will never forget. I saw God. The God who can't sit still when the storm is too strong. The God who lets me get frightened enough to need him and then comes close enough for me to see him. The God who uses my storms as his path to come to me. I saw God. It took a storm for me to see him, but I saw him and I will never be the same. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. 
All right, now that we have all of the gospel accounts of this true event in the life of Jesus, I want to back up and say, okay, what does God have for us in this today? And I want to look at two things. I want to first look at the storm, and I want to second look at what I'm going to call the detour. All right, so let's start with the storm. Let's, let's, let's talk about this. Jesus sends his disciples to Bethsaida, and they attempt to obediently follow Jesus. As they are attempting to obediently follow Jesus, a storm arises and blows them off course, right? So here's the point that I want you to get from this. Storms are going to come to each and every life. Storms are going to come to your life. They're going to come to my life. They're going to come to every single life. Storms come to every life, even those who are trying to do the will of God. These guys are obediently trying to follow Jesus. They're trying to get to Bethsaida when this storm arises, and when I think about this, I think about Jonah a little bit. Jonah disobeys God, right? The storm arises on the sea he, as he rebels against the Lord. God uses the storm to get his attention, right? So, so Jonah, in direct disobedience to God, he gets a storm. And even these guys who were trying to be obedient to God, they get a storm too, right? The storms are going to come to every single life. These guys have been rowing for hours, doing all they can to get to where Jesus wants them to be, but to no avail. Here's what I know right here, right now. I know that there are some of you sitting here today who are in the middle of a storm. I know that. There are some of you right now who are in the middle of a storm. And for some of you, it's a storm of your own making. It's a storm that has arisen because you've made some poor decisions, some bad choices. So, so you, you've done some things that you're not proud of and that you regret, and, and that storm is now right there in your life. I also know that right now, sitting here in this audience, there are others of you who are in the middle of a storm through no fault of your own, like these disciples, like these apostles. But here's the greatest thing about these storms that have risen up in every life. Do you realize God uses the storm regardless? God still met Jonah, even in his rebellion, in the storm, right? And he meets these disciples in their storms too. Storms are going to come to every life. God's not scared off by them. He doesn't sit still while you are in the storm. Instead, he uses these things as a path to come to you. And if you have the courage to open your eyes, I believe you will see that he is walking on the water, trying to get to you. No one avoids the storms of life. And if you're thinking, well, because I'm a follower of Jesus, that means I'm never going to have to face anything like this, or it's just going to be easy, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But I want you to hear this, right? I need you to hear this. Storms don't have to sink us. Storms don't have to beat down our faith. In fact, God can use storms to be defining moments in our lives if we will let him do that. Storms come to every single life. There's something else I want you to see in this story. Let's notice now the detour. Notice the detour. Jesus wanted them where? He wanted them in Bethsaida. But where do they end up? They end up in Gennesaret. Here's the point. With Jesus, it isn't always about the destination. It's about the journey. With Jesus, it's not always about the destination. It's about the journey. Now, this doesn't mean the destination isn't important. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, but it's about the journey. L let me ask you this. How do you feel 
when your best laid plans are thrown off track? <laughs> I think I know the answer to that one, right? How do you feel when things don't go the way you think they should? When our plans for life are changed or thrown off course, how do you respond? Do you say, well, wait a minute, that wasn't supposed to happen? Oh, or maybe you say, well, I always envisioned, I always thought that my life was going to go this way, and yet here I find myself way over here. Or, or maybe you cry out to God, I'm not supposed to be here. This doesn't make sense. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Or maybe you say, what in the world's going on here, Lord? This, this wasn't supposed to happen. I want you to think about this. If this storm hadn't risen up on the sea... These disciples would have missed the amazing revelation of the power of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, do you think that Peter's faith was increased or decreased by what happened? Even though he sank, even though he didn't get it exactly right, do you think his faith increased or decreased by this storm? It's an easy answer, isn't it? He may have failed in the storm, but his faith in Jesus grew even greater because of the storm. Because Peter found out something critical. Peter found out Jesus doesn't remove his love from failures. This is what Peter found out that day. And I just believe there's somebody listening to my voice this morning who needs to hear that same thing. You might be sitting here in this audience. You might be listening online. But you need to know. You need to hear. Jesus doesn't remove his love from failures. He is greater than our failures. He is greater than all of it. He is not running from you. Do you understand this morning? He's not running from you and your failures. He's running to you. And he's using your failure as an opportunity to grow your faith if you will let him. If you will uh, embrace the detour. What about the guys on the boat? They didn't get out of the boat that day, but do you think their faith in Jesus increased? Or do you think it decreased because of this experience? Now listen, I'm not saying Jesus caused this storm. But I am saying he certainly used this storm for his purposes, didn't he? And if he can use it for his purposes with them, then he can use it for his purposes in your life too. You know, sometimes we get so focused on the destination that we miss what Jesus is doing all around us. We miss what's right in front of us. I want you to think about what these guys learned in this storm if you go back to Mark chapter 6, verse 52, did you recognize there uh, that, that, that Mark makes, makes the point that they didn't understand everything that went on with the loaves? They didn't get it. Now, I don't know what it was that they missed. I don't know what Jesus was trying to get them to understand that they didn't understand. By the way, I think it's important to say this too as a sidebar. Jesus didn't leave them because they didn't get everything right he didn't lead them because they missed the point of what he was trying to teach. And he's not going to leave us either when we miss something or don't fully understand or don't fully embrace everything that he's trying to teach us. He's not running away from us. He wants to run to us. So I don't know what lesson they were supposed to learn from the, from the loaves that they missed. But I know this. I know they learned on the sea that night that Jesus... Jesus, the same Jesus who had the power to feed them on the plain, is the same one who has the power to protect them on the sea. 
What did they learn that day? They learned to trust Jesus. They learned to trust that Jesus can do the impossible. He is there for them in every situation. They didn't learn it in the loaves, but they learned it on the sea. They can trust Jesus. That's not all they learned in this detour, though. I want you to notice one more thing about the detour. I want you to notice that God can do some pretty amazing things right where you are. Go back with me to Matthew 14. Notice what happens when they land at Gennesaret in verse 34. It says, and when they crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all the region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. They were supposed to go to Bethsaida, but they ended up in Gennesaret. But did you see what God did in Gennesaret? You know, I think sometimes we have this warped idea And it's warped. Uh, Let me just say that loud and clear. We have this idea that God has one plan for my life. And that it's up to me to make sure that I don't mess up God's one plan for my life. And so we put all this pressure on ourselves. We put all this pressure on our kids. Well, what if I go to the wrong college? Because if I go to the wrong college and that's not the college God wants me to go to and I end up doing something else, I'm, I'm going to throw off everything, right? Or what if, I, what if I marry this person, but that was the one God was supposed to have me marry? I've just ruined myself. Where did that come from? Where does that come from? It is not true. Let me say that out loud. God does not have a blueprint for your life. Know what I mean by that? He doesn't have a blueprint for your life. A blueprint, everything is spelled out. Here's exactly how it has to look, exactly how you have to build it, exactly how you have to do it. Everything has to be exactly perfectly right. He doesn't have one of those for your life. You know what God has for your life? He has a game plan for your life. A game plan's different. A game plan says, here's where we're going. This is what we're trying to accomplish. But when something comes up in the middle, we're not going to be thrown off track by that. It might be a detour, but I still got this game plan for your life that I'm trying to get you to see that I want you to accomplish. God can use you wherever you are. Can I be honest with you? Some of you didn't expect to end up in Decatur, Alabama. Right? And you're wondering, what am I doing here? These disciples didn't intend to end up in Gennesaret either. Guess what? God used them. And God can use you right where you are. This is the point that he's trying to get them to understand. He can use you right where you are right now. And this isn't just about our location. I think the same could be said of our situation. Because there's some of you who are sitting out here right now saying, listen, God, I didn't expect to still be single right now. God can still use you right where you are, whether you're married or not. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. I didn't expect to be single. I expected to be married. I expected to have kids. I expected to be this. I expected to be that. God doesn't have a blueprint. He has a game plan. And he can use you right where you are, married or not. I didn't expect to still be battling this addiction. I thought I would have beat this a long time ago, but here I am. God is walking with you in the middle of that storm. And he wants to do more for you right where you are right now. I didn't expect to be 
divorced. You're not a second-class citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And God can use you right where you are, right here, right now. I didn't expect to still be working at this dead-end job. Oh, God is good at taking dead ends and making them into something great. I didn't expect to still be battling this sickness. Don't be afraid. He can use you even in the middle of this storm that you're walking through. How many times, how many times is this us? Uh, we, we come to God and we say, God, you said to go to Bethsaida and that's what I'm trying to do. I, I'm going to Bethsaida with this storm. This, this storm keeps blowing me off track and I'm rowing, I'm rowing, I'm trying. I gotta get where you wanted me to get. This is, this is what I wanna do, but it's so, it's so hard and, and I've been at this for so long and I'm so, I'm so tired and God whispers, I'm with you. I'm with you in this storm. Don't be afraid. I am. And listen, God is saying to us, I'm going to get you where you're supposed to be in due course. For now, I just want you to open your eyes and see the opportunities that I've placed all around you. There is so much I have for you right here, right where you are, right now. Remember, not only can God use you and your situation, he can do some pretty amazing things in and through your situation. Yeah, he wanted them to go to Bethsaida, but when they got to Genesaret, he ended up healing every single person that came to him. Your detour may seem like a dead end. But God uses them if we let him. If we will trust him. God is often found in the detour. We may think, well, I'm off path. I'm not where God wants me to be. But God is shaping us and God is molding us. And he's making us into exactly he wants us, who he wants us to be, even in the detour. Fast forward with me back to Mark. I want you to notice verse, chapter 8, verse 22. This is important to grasp, all right? So they were supposed to go to Bethsaida, but they end up in Genesaret. But guess what? They ultimately get to Genesaret. It's just a few chapters later in Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And he, it says, and they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought him a blind man. We're going to talk about the story of Jesus healing this blind man in a future lesson. But I want you to see that. They eventually got where Jesus wanted them to go. And Jesus heals this blind man. It's an amazing miracle. But if the storm hadn't come up, how many would have missed out on the healing that Jesus gave them on their detour. God will get you where he wants you to go. He's pretty good at that. <laughs> he will get you where he needs you to be. But remember that dreams can still come true even in the detour if you'll trust in Jesus. I think about the Apostle Paul. He wanted to so badly to go and preach the gospel in Asia, right? But over and over, God keeps saying, nope, nope, nope. 
And then finally, God opens a door in Macedonia. And so Paul goes and he begins preaching. And he ultimately lands in a city called Philippi where he preaches. And he converts a woman named Lydia who happens to be from a city called Thyatira. Guess where Thyatira is? It's in Asia. (laughs) God's going to do what God needs to do to get his will done. God's will is going to be done. It may not always take the shape that you think it should, but it's going to be done. And so Jesus, as you're, as you're struggling through this, he's crying out, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, I am. Dreams can come true even in the detour. If you'll just trust him. Storms come to every single life. Yours, mine, those in open rebellion to Jesus and those who aren't. Those who are obediently trying to follow and those that want nothing to do with him. Storms are going to come to every life. When they come, remember that it's about the journey, not just the destination. And most of all, never forget that God can do some amazing things right where you are, if, if you'll trust him. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for the day. I'm thankful for everyone here in this place this morning. Everyone who's watching online or here in this building, God, you have brought them to us for such a time as this, and I'm so, so grateful. I know, Father, many are in the middle of trials and difficulties. They're in the middle of storms. And I'm praying, God, that you are using those difficulties and storms to mold and shape us into the people that you would have us be. But more than that, God, I'm praying that we will remember that it's about the journey with you, the relationship with you, uh, the love of you that matters, and not just reaching a destination. And Father, help us never to forget that you do amazing things right where we are if we'll just open our eyes. God, you want us to grow where we're planted, and so help us to grow in every possible way. Father, bless this church. Use us. Use us in this community to be about your business, to point other people to uh, the truth of your son and his identity as the great I am. Father, help us in every possible way to be a church that does what we can where we are right now, right now, right now. Father, help us to be about that. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we give you all glory now. In Jesus' name, amen. Storms come to every life. It's, not about, it's about the journey, not the destination, and God can use you. Oh, I hope that you'll take those lessons, you'll apply them to your life, and that you'll stop looking at what could be and start looking around at what is and what you can do to be about the will of God right here, right now. Thanks again for listening. If you are in North Alabama, we would love to have you visit and worship with us. Also, if this lesson blessed you today, don't forget to hit the share button and share this message with someone else. Hope you will join us again next week. As we close, here is our prayer for you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week. 